0: Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. Ryan Noonan here, joining me again, as always, my partner in crime here, fellow 444 football writer, Connor Allen. Connor, what's going on, bud?
1: Not too much. Uh a little worried with how much I have down on the NFL draft at this point, but you know, I'm confident I have closing line value on you know almost all my bets so far. Um and things are things are looking good, but it's definitely gonna be a very nerve-wracking Thursday night. And um, I'm pumped for it, though. So I'm excited to break down everything and, you know, go through our process together.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. This is our first official full podcast Move the Line episode here for 4 for 4. Um, Connor and I will be writing over there as well, actually bringing and um, basically starting the betting content over at 4 for 4. We'll be doing some DFS stuff as well. First of many offseason episodes for mm-hmm. us, too, here shortly after the draft. Connor and I will be back with our post-draft reaction shows Basically going conference by conference, going to do two shows, looking at how the draft has impacted forecasted win totals, looking at the upcoming season for the teams. And then leading into week one, we're going to be going uh, deep dive, division by division, in-depth breakdowns, each team looking at their schedule, win totals, scenes along player props, all those good things um, that we brought to you before. So we're really looking uh, forward to doing that. The draft, man, was just such a weird time. We had nothing else going on in this world that we can bet on or speculate on that has anything to do with the normal sports that we are looking to get our hands on. But we basically are bringing in the best of the best. We are starting our first show uh, with the best in the industry. Evan Silva, co-founder, established the run, basically the best fantasy mind in the game who has been a rock star in the mock draft space the last couple years as well. What's going on, bud?
2: What's up, guys? Yeah, I spent um, pretty much all day today just arguing with, uh, Falcons fans on Twitter um, <laughs> because I did this mock draft last night and I gave them Henry Ruggs. Okay, uh, at the number sixteen overall pick. Number one, I don't think that Henry Ruggs is going to last that long, and I think that it's this is maybe a five percent chance of happening. But in this, per- like a mock draft is just like a scenario, you know, and, and you and you go through each pick and you look at the players that are left available. And, you know, you, you kind of try to match up players to teams. And, you know, at the number 16 pick, Henry Ruggs was still available. And and look, the Falcons need help on defense, right? But no individual defensive player is going to make that trash defense into a good defense. Whereas the Falcons, like the Falcons adding Henry Ruggs to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and not trotting out Russell Gage or Laquan Lequ- Treadwell As their number three receiver, like that could freaking move the needle, you know, but drafting like Kalevon Chason out of LSU is like almost certainly not going to move the needle for the Falcons. But adding Henry Ruggs could move the needle. I mean, at the end of the day, like the Falcons are going to still give up like 30 game on defense, (laughs) whether they draft Kalevon Chason or not. They're going to need to outpoint opponents. And I'm just trying to get this across to these Falcons fans who are just dead set on their team. Taking a defensive player and like they they think that the Falcons should pass on Henry Ruggs oh. if he's available at number sixteen. Anyways, this is you know this this these are the kind of things that you do uh when you're quarantined.
0: And you know,
2: <laughs> kind of kinda of driving myself crazy here.
0: You sound looked up like you've had a little bit of fireball in the belly and you're ready to go for this one. I'm excited for it. <laughs> All right nice stuff. So well before we unpack any deep dive, I want to tell people a little bit. Four for four is new maybe for you as our listeners. Um, this deal is just unbelievable, so i got to share it. It expires at the end of the month, April 30th. Uh, We've partnered with DraftKings to basically give you a way to get a free, no-strings-attached subscription to 4 for 4. Um, All you need to do is choose the plan you want. Like I said at the top, Connor and I's stuff is going to be in the DFS package. That is going to give you access to everything on the site at 4 for 4. I mean, I could spend an hour telling you all that that's going to involve. It's just a lot of stuff. Um, All the DFS tools preseason, regular season, season long. Um it's awesome. There's going to be some uh notes here in the show notes. You can access that here. Sign up. All you need to do is um be a new DraftKings user, deposit at least $5 and you can get a free no strings attached 4 for 4 sub for the season. So any questions, you can hit up Connor and I, let us know. I uh, definitely uh, want to have you on board and uh, again that expires at the end of the month. So before we dig into position stuff, I just want to talk to you a little bit, Evan, about this process. I mean, like I said, you've been killing it the last couple of years with the mock draft accuracy. It's such a tough game. You know, if you're hitting 40, 40 45% hit rate, I mean, that's just, that's the the nuts. So talk to us yeah. about basically, you know, it's been an extreme offseason. Um, we know that teams have been impacted, mm-hmm. obviously, by the lack of player visits, in-house physicals. How has your process been impacted by the current environment?
2: Oh, it's just, I just think that there is less information out there because scouts and executives are not out on the pro day trail. And look, I know that they're, you know, doing, you know, doing phone calls and doing, you know, FaceTime interviews, but that is nothing like going to a school, talking to all the, the college coaches talking to coaches and executives from around the league, you know, seeing the players work out live. Like, there's just no replacement for that. And there's not – I mean, it's just like a fraction of the information that is usually out there. Uh, And a lot of that information that, you know, comes out during the the pro day trail, and they go to all these different schools, you know, um, that information very often gets – you know, uh gets out to people like Daniel Jeremiah or Peter Schrager or, you know, even uh Rappaport and Schefter and I mean, but there is no information like that this year. So any little draft nugget that we can find is like, like gold right now. When usually there's there are so many draft nuggets that it's like, you know, you're kind of trying to pick and choose what makes sense and what is believable. But this year there there is so little information that Um, it's kind of like the wild, wild west.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point. And I think that's kind of the overarching theme for me when looking at some of these props that we're going to dive into is that it's such a high variant event. You know, why would I not want to lean into some plus numbers? Um, feeling like I know exactly what's going to happen, I think is just arrogance and short sighted. And we get in this little bubble and we're reading all these mocks and we're reading all these things that we think that we know, like it's, it's so hard to predict. And I think more than any year, Previously, it's just going to be it's just a real, um, a real shit show at times. Like there's going to be a lot of trades, things that we you know really haven't been able to predict at times. So I think leaning into the variance and um, not pretending like you know everything based on right. every mock draft is probably the e, e way to go as far as uh, as far as making money. So um, let's start with the sexy positions. We'll start with the fantasy relevant stuff at the top and then work our way down here. But let's start off with the QBs. Obviously, Joe Burrow kind of locked in here as the um, number one pick um, not a lot of fun joe burrow props um, but obviously the draft is going to kind of start with you know the pick number three and really what's going to happen with the quarterback position with justin herbert and, and Tua. a um, evan i would love to to get a feel for your thoughts on the Tua slide um you have him mocked to the chargers in the mock draft that you're talking about that just came out last night the chargers that number is um plus 175 both of these guys they're over under set at five and a half so you had um Herbert just ahead of him to Miami. That's available um on DraftKings at plus one fifty. So talk to me about these two and, and kind of how do you think that the draft starts with the way that those guys get going.
2: You know, the the Miami Herald throughout this entire process has really beaten the drum for the Dolphins, loving Justin Herbert. And the Miami Herald has like legit really good reporters. Adam Beasley, uh Armando saudero um Barry Jackson is, you know, one of the best beat writers in the nation. And I mean, I, I believe it. I, I don't think it's like some elaborate smokescreen. I think the dolphins truly do really want Justin Herbert. Um, so, you know, and I think that increasingly, you know, in, uh, Gil Brandt, he's really plugged in and I, I know he's really, really old. And, you know, he's got like, you know, <laughs> probably a lot of people are working under him, you know, but I definitely think that he still talks to people that are in the league. He's really, well-respected he's you know the old cowboys gm and um you know he had herbert ahead of tua uh in daniel jeremiah's last mock draft uh he had uh although he's gone back and forth he's wavered on uh the dolphins taking herbert or taking tua understandably so but i mean i've seen him you know have mock drafts with the dolphins taking herbert over tua um and i mean i i you know, I buy it. I mean, I think that there's, if you read Bob McGinn's draft series, he's a guy who was super, super plugged in as well um, with, you know, executives and coaches around the league. And, you know, for a really long time, he was the best mock drafter. Um, You know, he had the most accurate mock drafts. Like you'd always want to see, you know, Bob McGinn's mock draft would come out the morning of the draft and you'd want to see who he would have because he, you'd have like 15 player to team matches and that's, You know, as you mentioned at the top, that is like super, super elite. And he would have guys like, you know, at the like it's it's easier to get stuff right up at the top. It's really hard to get, you know, um, guys in the 20s and he would have like guys pegged in the 20s. You know, like the Packers are taking this guy, you know, and, you know, at 28 or whatever. And he would have like um, so. So was really good at that. Um, And if you read his uh, quarterback preview series, you know, he pulled eighteen executives around the league and uh, asked them to to go on a grading scale from one to ten. How concerned are they about Tua's health? And the average grade was seven point six, and ten being the highest. So that's, I mean, that's a high level of concern. Yikes! Yeah, yeah that's that's a very high level of concern. And when you when you re- and then uh, Mike Lombardi has talked about how there's like real, real, real concern inside the NFL. About uh, about Chua's health, I know that some people try to dismiss Lombardi, but he—I mean—he worked for Bill Walsh, he worked for Al Davis, he worked for Bill Belichick. Like he has extreme connections, and anytime that he says something like that, I mean, I, I think that you're you're fooling yourself if you're not taking it seriously. Um, and, and he's talked about how uh, at least two teams that he knew of had Tua off their draft board entirely, and Bob McGinn wrote that three teams did. So. Uh, I think that the the level of concern is very very real. It's still very hard for me to imagine to a falling pass like the Jags at nine. Certainly the Raiders at twelve. But I do think that he is not going to go in the top five. I think the Chargers make a ton of sense for him at six, uh, and then at nine the Jags and twelve the Raiders.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, um, JAG number you can get him at, on FanDuel, their sports book twenty to one at Jacksonville as a uh, as a flyer there too i think that's pretty interesting so yeah his uh over number at five and a half overs plus 137 under minus 167 so there's some some value there is uh there any tua or herbert action on your card currently connor
1: yeah i went i took a pretty big position on herbert under five and a half um about a week ago i grabbed that at Uh, Plus, it was like plus 170. It was still floating around. It's almost about down to even now, just kind of when things started leaking. And, you know, some people that I was talking to were just telling me, like, hey, this is like real. You know, Herbert is probably has a good chance of going ahead of, uh, you know, Tua. And there's a decent chance, I still think, of one of Miami or the Chargers trading up to number three. I think the pairing makes a lot of sense for the Lions to trade down and still get their guy, which is who we think is Jeffrey Akuta. Um, and one of them trading up makes a lot of sense. I know that, you know, maybe like reading through everything and kind of thinking that, you know, like Herbert is connected most to, you know, one team and Tua is connected most to the other team. But I think the thing is, is like, I'm not sure that those teams know that the other team is like secured on that player. So, you know, are the Chargers sure that, um, the Dolphins like Tua enough not to try and trade up to number three ahead of them or do they, you know, how are they positioned to do that? So I still think that one of those teams could trade up to number three and kind of secure their guy. Um, and if for the Lions, it makes a lot of sense because they'll be able to scoop up extra draft capital and still probably be able to get their guy um, barring the Giants, you know, grabbing Okuda or, um, you know, the draft just end up taking a really weird turn there. But so I think it makes a lot of sense for one of those two. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I took a position on Herbert under. I've kind of stayed off two of props so because he seems so volatile, like Silva was saying. I don't, I'm not really convinced where he goes. I just, mm-hmm. I think that he's still a good enough prospect. And there's been so much, you know, news and hype about him that um, I think just he could really go all over the place at this point.
2: I, I do like that you mentioned earlier Noonan, um, uh, twenty to one, two out of the Jags.
1: Yeah, on Fandle.
2: dude. Just yeah. put a little, just put a little something on that. I mean, right. uh, Lombardi was talking about this too in one of his most recent podcasts. He was like, you know, the owner there, Shad Khan, is not happy that the Jaguars still, and he's had he's maintained the same front office really throughout. And you know, Tom Coughlin was in there for a while, yeah. but he's had maintained the same GM for a freaking long time, Teflon Dave Caldwell, <laughs> uh, just cannot, <laughs> you know, cannot get fired. Like this dude does everything in the book to get fired, and just. You know, he, he, he does not get fired. So, you know, Shad Khan has shown all this loyalty to Dave Caldwell, and they still do not have a franchise quarterback. And they had a lot of opportunities to get a franchise quarterback because they passed on Mahomes, they passed on Watson, they passed on Lamar Jackson to take Tavon Bryan, a defensive <laughs> tackle, in 2018. And so, you know, the owner, I mean, hey, you know, the owner might get involved there. You know the owner um, lets his son, uh, you know, uh, run the the soccer team that they own, and you know uh, Tony Khan definitely uh, has a you know a role in um, uh, in the Jaguars front office, and you know it. You could you could imagine Tony Khan being like you know let me run this show you know like you know we're, we're we are we have not been getting it done. I know that he he played a role in uh, their trade with Jalen Ramsey, which by the way they got. It an excellent return in that trade uh, of Jalen Ramsey. And I know that Tony Khan played a role in that. Um, So, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a big decision. If Tua falls to the Jags, or let's say he gets by the chargers and uh, he gets to like number seven. I mean, the Jaguars have four picks in the top 75. They've got, they've got two first rounders. They've got ammunition. If they want to move up a little bit to make sure that they get their guy or even to move, you know, ahead of even to move to four or, or to three. I mean, they have enough ammunition to do that. So um, I, I think that they're a great wild card in all this. And at 20 to one, just put something small. I mean, that's that 10 bucks you win. you know, you're you you you're winning 200.
0: Yeah, no, that's a nice, uh, nice dinner that night. I think that's exactly what I was going to say, too. They have the ammo to move up and they are still I mean, we can talk about the, you know, folk hero of uh, Gardner Minshew it's not necessarily what they think is going to be something they want to build around so I think that the two a number there makes a lot of sense you could see them move up next guy on a lot of people's boards I know not for you Evan and I know we'll get to that um is Jordan Love um, that number is kind of held strong at nineteen and a half, and and um I know Connor's been on that too I just I it is really rich, especially kind of where that falls. Um, that's, you know, the Raiders at 19, Jags at 20. Just doesn't necessarily seem like a, a fit with some of the other needs they have. Again, we talked about the Jags a minute ago. They do have those two first-round picks. But uh Jordan Love, definitely a polarizing prospect. Um, talk to me a little bit about Love, and then uh, I think Jalen Hurts is next on your board, too. I'll go a little long on those two, Evan.
2: Um. From a skill set standpoint or like uh, like draft, draft?
0: Yeah, both. Draft. I mean, what do you think about what you've, you know, done tape with Love? I know it was Utah yeah. State, not a lot I, around him, and, you know, he's had to be a, a yeah. little bit of a gunslinger in uh, the last year.
2: My quarterback evaluations suck, you know. I mean, I I don't <laughs> think anybody's good at evaluating quarterbacks. I truly <laughs> believe that. The NFL itself is like the, the hit rate on first-rounders was like 35% over the last decade, like crazy. You don't want to. You don't want to hear what I what I have to say about these guys. Skill sets. So, <laughs> so let, where is he going go, to go, then? Yeah, let's let's stick to that. I think that Jordan Love could fall out of the first round. I think that. Yes. The buzz on him, you know, when I was at the combine, and there was a feeling there that, I think people wanted him to be like a top ten pick, but it just I don't I don't think the that the the feelings are strong on him right now. I think that there is um, toward the end of the first round, you know, from let's start at 19 with the Raiders and 20 for the Jags and 23 for the Pats and 24 for the saints and 30 for the Packers. And uh, you know, the dolphins are even in there at 26. Let's say they, you know, don't take a quarterback with two of their first rounders and they come back and, and, you know, loves there for them at 26. Like that wouldn't be a crazy thing to envision. There is like a, you know, kind of a, a bunch of like potential landing spots, all in that range where you get in with the fifth year option at the end of the first round. Um, But I just, I just feel like the feelings are not that strong on him and he is kind of more toward the Jalen hurts tier than he is the burrow uh, Herbert Tua tier at this point. If, if you, if you catch my drift. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I don't know that the fifth year option thing though, makes it, and just the fact that he plays quarterback, makes it dicey to bet on him being a second round pick. I guess if I had to bet, I would say that he does go in that 19 to 30 range. Um, but I, I think he's a, he's a tough guy. You know, I, I think the best bet for him that I've seen in terms of prop bets is where, um, what is it like the over under of where he is drafted? Like 16.5 or, or uh, the 16 and a half, you know, pick.
0: Yeah. I've seen him nineteen and a half 19 and a half in most spots. Okay.
2: So it's yeah. moving that way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Smartly. So, So you could get burned if the Raiders take him at 19, but otherwise, I think you're good. Um, I think you win that bet at 19 and a half and you still get, you know, if he goes to the Jags at 20, if he goes to the Pats at 23, if he goes to the Saints at 24, you're winning in all those scenarios. So, um, yeah, I think that that's still a good bet, even if it's, you know, minus 120 or something. I think it's still a good bet over 19 and a half. Uh, And then who was the other guy you said?
0: Well, I know that you have Jalen Hurts third in in, in this draft as far as quarterbacks. Um, you know he's been moving up, obviously, as the, the league has kind of transitioned to, you know, looking at guys that can run and be mobile. I mean, this guy's shown that he can, you know, win with his legs too. Um, where do you think he lands up? Is he a second rounder, or is he going to slip into the third?
2: I think he's a second rounder, and I his think his numbers that...
0: right there. He's 60 and a half is his number. So basically, you're talking okay. very tail end of the second.
2: Man, I I like under. I think I, I think I like him in the 40s and 50s.
0: Love it. Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, he's just a really dynamic runner, and he got a lot better as a passer. Um, it still sticks in my mind how terrible he was at Alabama. But I mean, he was way. I mean, he was the freaking Heisman runner-up, man. Like, yeah. and I know that you know Heisman doesn't necessarily translate to NFL success, but I mean, this guy was one hell of a college player. And he's, you know, scattershot from an accuracy standpoint, but that, that ability to, I mean, he scored like 42 rushing touchdowns in in his college career, averaged 5.3 yards per carry. I mean, you know, and the way that the league is moving, I think it's very much moving away from pocket passers and toward guys that can run. And we've seen Josh Allen be a functional quarterback, even though he's not a good passer. You know, he's been a functional quarterback because he's so good as a runner and Jalen Hurts absolutely brings that he's tough he's known as like a, a great leader he went you know 38 and 4 in his college career that may not you know mean a lot you know you know what QB wins or whatever but that may mean something to NFL executives and decision makers you know i i think Jalen Hurts goes in the 40s or the 50s
0: yeah i love the scenario uh talk through this a little bit with connor where the uh, no shot that the patriots even though they need a quarterback they're not taking anyone at 23 They always trade down. They're trading down. They don't have a second round pick for the Mohamed Sanu trade. I would love to see, and I think Indy makes a ton of sense as a team to move up into the end of that first round. Um, They sign Rivers. They just have him for a year. So someone like Jordan Love makes a lot of sense to Indy. They make that trade with New England. New England can fall back, use one of those two mid seconds and grab Jalen Hurts. I think that that would be a, I think a a win-win for both teams and, you know, Hurts, the Alabama connection the Saban Belichick thing um, obviously he's going to be able to get some good intel obviously in these times when we're limited those relationships matter a whole lot more so something like that makes a lot of sense I get the love to New England thing and how that was popular early in the mock season it just mm-hmm. it doesn't it just doesn't seem like something that the Pats would do right now no I agree with that I agree with that uh, any interest in uh, you know Jake Fromm is actually the same number as Jalen Hurts 16 and a half is his total and actually, Jacob Eason is uh, head of both of them. He, he's at forty-seven and a half. Connor, do you have any interest in those guys or um, any uh, numbers on Hertz either? Do you have any uh, tickets on him?
1: Honestly, not really. I don't have anything on the later quarterbacks because once you get past like the honestly, once you get past like the twenties, like it's Evan said it, like it's so hard to predict kind of where yeah. players are going. So unless you unless you have like a really good feel on a player, like you know that he failed, you know some injury test or like failed a drug test and like it's not released to the public yet you know like that's when you can put in a bet like that but other than that like these guys i mean hurts could definitely be around you know that range same with from and eason the only thing that i got on the board for later quarterbacks is like you said i grabbed love over 16 and a half about you know three weeks ago or so some of these early lines that you'll see are just really soft um so that's when the time is to grab a lot of this stuff but i mean i think there's still plenty of value on the board uh going forward I move
0: on to the running back position obviously uh sexy for fantasy um evan your latest mock has no running backs in the first round though i think we would all agree it's a fairly deep position this year uh, at least from fantasy assets um you can actually get the um over under a half a running back going in the first round um under you can get it plus 180 so i think it's a very interesting number i think you can even find it at better odds at different books i think FanDuel and William Hill. These numbers are from DraftKings Sportsbooks. But um, talk to me about the uh, the top end of the draft here. Evan, we have uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Swift is minus 167 as the first back off the board. Taylor plus 200. And then J.K. Dobbins with the next shortest odds, plus 500.
2: I think there are four good running backs. And then I think that every everyone else is replacement level. You can even make the argument that the good running backs – are pretty close to replacement level because what Jonathan Taylor does well is run the ball between the tackles, and that's a largely replaceable trait. Um, I I like DeAndre Swift the best. I kind of settled on him as my number one back, uh, largely due to his receiving ability, uh, and he averaged almost seven yards per carry in the SEC. And, I mean, he's just, he's really, I mean, you know, he's on that, like, Dalvin Cook, uh, Alvin Kamara uh, spectrum. And that is, you know, a spectrum that I I want my running backs to be on, to be catching a lot of passes and, you know, be really good in the passing game. We had Mike Renner of PFF, who does a great, great job there on uh, our our Establish the Run podcast. And uh, he noted that Jonathan Taylor had eight drops on 50 catchable targets in his Wisconsin career. He only had the one season of, you know, decent uh, receiving production. And uh, I think that he is a big question mark. Uh, his passing game usage is a big question mark entering the NFL. We, you know, I don't want Jordan Howard. You know, and right. um, you know, really, I don't want Jordan Howard in real life or in fantasy. You know, <laughs> um, and I mean, I think that Jonathan Taylor is better than Jordan Howard. Like, he's a better athlete. He was way more productive in college. But you know, being a rich man's Jordan Howard, like I don't want that either. So, and I think there's some risk of Jonathan Taylor being that. J.K. Dobbins, D- you know, Dane Brugler has him as the number one overall running back in the class. He's kind of like a smallish workhorse, only 209, which is on the the small side for like a workhorse running back. And that's what he was at Ohio State. He, ha- he had over 300 carries this past season. Yeah, he over was a workhorse. Final, yeah, over the final four games, he averaged like 35 touches a, a game. Uh, he did catch 71 passes uh, in his three-year college career. Um, but just the fact that he's 209 and being a workhorse, that kind of, yeah, that's small. You know, like, is that a translatable skill for him? I, I don't I don't know. Um, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I absolutely love. And Lance Zierlein today, this morning, tweeted that he thought there was an outside chance that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is like a, a sleeper for to go in the first round. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But you can, I know you can get that at 20-1 to 1 in some spots because Adam Levitan wrote up that prop uh, on, on our site. And um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, he's like the perfect running back for today's NFL. I mean, he's uh, – Daniel Jeremiah, who does the Chargers play-by-play, is uh, he has compared him to Austin Eckler. He sees Austin Eckler every week, you know. And he compared Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to Austin Eckler, and Austin Eckler is like the perfect running back in today's game. Um, and I, I think that that's a great comparison. 55 catches for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire this past season. That, that's a lot of catches for a college
0: back. There's a lot of catches. Obviously a high-volume offense, but he showed that he can handle it. Dobbins, too? I mean, like I get your point. He is a little bit undersized, especially in comparison to, like, Swift or Taylor. But he, he's got a little bit of, like, it's a little shady McCoy. Like, you know, McCoy's not a big plus 200-pound back. I mean, he's low twos, 205. I think he played a lot of his 210. Um And Dobbins handled a massive workload, which isn't actually always a good thing for a running back, especially coming in. We'd rather them have uh, fewer miles on the tires there for sure. Um, No interest or no mention of Cam Akers. Um, Not a fan of him. You think he's kind of in that next tier down?
2: Yeah, I think he's like at the top of the replacement level tier. Okay. Um, Gil Brandt had him as like number 110 overall player, number 105, something like that. And that's not a good range to be in. I mean... A fourth round running back that would be equivalent to like a fourth round running back, and fourth round running backs are like spare parts, you know. So that that's my that's kind of my hang up with him. I mean, he had a great uh, speed score. I think he ran four four seven at like two seventeen, mm-hmm. and he caught sixty nine passes in his college career. Um, so I mean, he checked some some boxes on paper, but I mean, if he's going to be a fourth round running back, like yeah, I don't I don't care about fourth round running backs,
0: right. Yeah, have to land yeah. in a really good spot or have some injury yeah. luck for sure.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Uh
0: what's your tickets, uh your cart look like here, Connor, as far as the running back position. Um, who do you think is the first running back off the board? And I guess, you know, the numbers are gonna tell us that it's Swift. I think Evans um, evaluations kind of match that, but his over under is set at twenty six and a half. What are your thoughts about the running backs?
1: Yeah, I wish that I got down on Clyde Edwards Flair at uh twenty to one. I was actually drove to Indiana today to get some uh, bets down at DraftKings. <laughs> I drove oh you know yeah, yeah, I made the We track. talked
0: about doing this. I didn't know that yeah. so did you sat do? in a
1: wingstop parking lot for over an hour. In um Gary down or did you some- get deeper? Uh, no, actually, there's like this little part right by the horseshoe where it's like kind of developed. Um, so, you know, like the folks around there maybe aren't the nicest, but the area looks nice and it's well lit. So, you know, it was all right. Um, so, yeah, I drove over there and all I could get was 10 to one. And, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't pull the trigger there. Um, it, I probably should have put a little bit on that still and I would consider it. But uh, I mean, 20 to one's obviously a lot better of a number. Uh, The landscape as a whole, so I actually really like the under here for the half a running back in the first round, as well as uh, DeAndre Swift over 26.5. I wrote up a whole article on it actually for 4 for 4. It was one of my first pieces for the draft uh, betting. And I really think the only... Not necessarily fit, but like the only team that I think will pull the trigger would be Miami here at 26, and that's kind of where the line I believe you know stems from. But if you kind of like work your way backwards, I mean Miami did just sign Jordan Howard. Um, they also so 25. You're looking at Minnesota who has Dalvin Cook, and they're also at number 22. And so they have they have a guy like Dalvin Cook. They're probably not going to take a first round running back. Then you're looking at New Orleans with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray still in tow. Probably not picking a running back. Number twenty-three in New England. I mean, there's a chance, like you said, for New England, New England to trade out and someone to, to leapfrog them, and that's really the biggest risk with this bet is that for someone to trade up and kind of grab a running back in the first round. But still, I'm not really convinced that you know New England, if they stay put, would can would pick a fir- another first-round running back there. Then you're looking at pick number twenty-one, you, Miles. Please Sanders. God,
2: let let the Bears trade up into the first round for a running back.
1: <laughs> Evan, don't even. Chicago would just would not exist. Like That would just be awful. Ryan Pace would be so happy, though, man. Imagine David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift, the next one-two punch in Chicago for years to come. My Bear fan home, friends
0: would sell themselves on it, though. They'd be all excited about it. But uh, this could yes. be a great draft for Miami, and I think taking a running back um, with that 26 pick would – just be a good way to make sure it's not a great yeah. draft. Um,
1: people yeah. are just so convinced and, and, that because the Raiders did it before, like Miami's just gonna do it now because they have multiple first round picks. Yeah. I mean,
2: the Dolphins have fourteen picks. You can wait on a running back number one. Number two, um, like the Dolphins are like an analytically run organization. I I, I think there's almost no chance that the Dolphins are taking a running back.
1: Exactly, yeah. And, I mean, it's just like there's no really spot that makes sense for Swift. I mean, some people have said Kansas City. Um, I mean, if you look at, like, Brett Veach's, you know, track record, he's been involved with the Chiefs since 2013 in, like, player personnel roles and, you know, scouting. And the Chiefs have taken four running backs since he's been on board. They've taken, like, Niles Davis uh, in 2013, picked number 96, DeAnthony Thomas, 124, and then they picked Kareem Hunt, at 86 and darwin thompson uh last year at 214 i i just don't really see them you know investing in a first round running back even if it is a nice fit for many you know fantasy people who would be excited about something like that and there's no denying that but i just don't think it's a realistic fit for him to go to kansas city
0: it's disrespectful to the should have been super bowl mvp damien williams <laughs> it's disrespectful
1: oh my god
0: Uh, So we really don't have any way to bet on it, but I would just love real quick, Evan, uh, your favorite day three running back. We talked about, obviously, we talked about five guys, but there's a handful of dudes, uh, Moss, Evans, Gibsons, Vaughn, Benjamin, like just from a, um, obviously we don't know landing spots, but just as far as your prospects, eval, um, a little bit easier on the running backs and quarterbacks. Who's your favorite day three running back?
2: I think it's Keyshawn Vaughn. And, you know, he played behind a terrible offensive line. And he was a tackle breaker. He averaged almost six yards per carry um, in his career facing SEC defenses behind an offensive line that didn't have a single uh, NFL player on it. Uh, he caught a bunch of passes. He's 214. He ran 4-5-1. You know, I, I think that he checks almost every box that I'm looking for in a day three running back. I think he goes maybe in the fifth round. And, you know, he's, like you kind of mentioned before, he's going to need um, a great, you know, landing spot in terms of team and opportunity and maybe even some injury luck ahead of him on the depth chart. But uh, I think that, yeah, Keyshawn Vaughn is probably my favorite day three running back.
0: Awesome. This wide receiver position obviously has been talked at ad nauseum. It is unbelievable, though. Uh, It is just incredibly deep. We're looking at, like, Guys like Michael Pittman Jr., who in any other year would be a, a first round, probably top yes. 20 prospects, and probably has zero shot of sniffing the first round here. Not because he's not immensely talented, but this class is just absolutely insane. The number 5.5 for first round wide receivers, um, under at one, minus under one 182. I'm sorry, under at plus one fifty, over at minus one eighty-two. And you see a you know, lots of mocks with having six, seven, eight even. Um, just an insane, insane position. First wide receiver, money looking at Jerry Judy at plus one twenty-five, same number as CeeDee Lamb. Um they both have a over-under at twelve and a half, which kind of puts them in that hot spot with the Raiders, Jets, Niners, Broncos area. Henry Ruggs just a little bit behind there at thirteen and a half his first receiver off the board number is plus two and a quarter. Uh, What are your thoughts uh, about these numbers here, Evan?
2: Um, Well, I thought it was interesting. Daniel Jeremiah settled on, and he does a a top 100 players list. He settled on 18 wide receivers in his top 100, and the cutoff in terms of just like where the third round ends is you including the, uh, the compensatory selections is usually right around 100. I think it's like 97 or something this year. So that means, you know, six, that would essentially mean almost like, uh, or that would kind of spread out to six uh, wide receivers in the first round, six in the second, six in the third. And that's just a ton of wide receivers to, to, to be going that early in the draft. But I think it's, I think it's spot on. And um, I think that, there is sort of like a first tier of Ruggs, Judy, and Lamb. But, man, I mean, Denzel Mims is an incredible prospect. I think that Brandon Ayuk has a lot of similarities to Chris Godwin, who might be the best slot receiver in the NFL right now. Um, you know, and the, the list really from, from that point on, Justin Jefferson is like maybe one of the cleanest, highest floor picks yeah. in the draft. Um and you know the the list really goes on and on. A lot of people like KJ Hamler, Jalen Rieger. I mean, it's there are you know it's it's an awesome awesome class. I, th- I think that that first tier though, they all go in the nine to sixteen range, beginning with the Jaguars at nine. I don't think the Jaguars are particularly likely to take a receiver at nine, but I don't think you could. I don't think anybody should be shocked if they do. And then. Number eleven, the Jets. They absolutely need a wide receiver. Although I think they're desperate for offensive tackle help, and yeah. I think they almost have to take an offensive tackle there. Um, assuming one of the the, the big four is uh, is available there, uh, and then um, like Andrew Thomas, Mackay Becton. I don't know. We, we, you know, we'll probably talk about offensive line next. And then, uh, and then um, twelve to the Raiders, uh, thirteen the 49ers, fifteen the Broncos, and sixteen the Falcons, which, you know, the Falcons fans don't want to hear it, have any of it. <laughs> but, I mean, if Henry Ruggs makes it to 16, I think that they, the Falcons would be dumber for passing on Henry Ruggs than for for taking him, like, by a long shot. Uh, Agree. But anyways, I, yeah. I think that that's where that kind of first tier lands.
0: Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you get all these guys with first-round grades. You mentioned Mims. We don't have an over-under on him, but he's minus 167 to land in the first round. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's dealing with a little bit of a um, you know core ab injury, but sounds like he'll be completely good to go uh, if and when football comes back. Um, Jalen Rieger, plus 108, so basically a little bit on the other side, but that's a guy that's kind of right on the bubble. Um, T. Higgins is a guy that's kind of slipped, I think, on a lot of people's boards. Um, big prospect out of Clemson, but he's minus 134 to land in the first round, so there's definitely something to that, too. I'm a huge Laviska Chenault fan. That kid reminds me of really young Anquan Bolden, like running through dudes, mm-hmm. um, running back body. You know I, the Debo Samuel comps that you've heard. I think make a ton of sense too. I mean, he's versatile, but I think he can win on the outside too. You get him with a creative offensive coordinator, and he's going to be a lot of fun if he can stay healthy. And Pittman, who we talked about at the top. Like Connor, I don't know if you remember Michael Pittman Senior, but like yoked up running back for the. the buccaneers for years uh, great fantasy asset back in the day and the apple has not fallen far from the tree except this kid is like twice the size of his dad from a height perspective he is just uh an incredible talent yeah. great hands like just this class is is insane um evan are you thinking over yeah. a five and a half or what are your thoughts on that number for first round wide receivers
2: Yo first of all Connor is way too young to know who Michael Pittman was. <laughs> yeah. Michael Pittman senior was. And Michael Pittman had the most raging biceps that Oh you, dude. Oh my god. Like He was a beautiful I, man.
0: I wouldn't wear a shirt if I my body looked like oh, that like, no
1: So yeah, I just had to Google Michael Pittman senior um oh and look god. look up his stats. Um we're looking at like 2004 was the last time he got like was in a featured role. Um, yeah, I was like eight. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, fam.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, he could play. And, uh, I think his son he had a beat. couple
1: good seasons in there. He, yeah. he had a, a
2: couple big receiving seasons, if I recall
0: correctly. For sure. No, he was definitely a uh, uh, receiving back back in the day before it was, uh, all the rage. Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> five and a half receivers as the line, I think over, I think yeah. over, I, th- I think we could see seven. I, I think that six should be even money. And I think we could see seven.
0: Yeah. Mims is a guy that's, uh, that's interesting. That makes a lot of sense too. And he's been moving up. I mean, that just, it's tough Baylor. I mean, you talked a little bit about that production that can be, you know, happening at schools like Oklahoma, but you know, we've definitely had a track record of some, some Baylor busts as well, but this kid seems like a can't miss. Um, I like that number on him. It's I don't like laying that much, but that seems like some value there. He seems like an absolute lock to be in the first kind of that next guy after Jefferson.
2: Like Greg Cosell thinks that Denzel Mims is like you know a top fifteen player in the draft, and then Gil Brandt had him at number forty nine, and Lance Zierlein is convinced that uh, Denzel Mims is not going in the first round; it's going to be a second round pick. Hmm. So the opinions on this dude are all over the place. Um, You know, analytically, he is an incredible prospect: six three two zero seven with a six six three cone. I mean that is absurd. Where do you run like four I think you ran what, four four one or four three nine or something like that? I mean crazy. Yeah. Dude. And and I mean I watched him play. I loved him when I watched him play. I mean, I you know, I was thinking like I thought a really good comparison uh was Kenny Galladay when I watched him.
0: Some interesting stuff based on the landing spots, for your latest mock, uh Jerry Judy to the Niners, that's available at plus four hundred. CD Lamb of the Broncos, that's ten to one, and obviously the outlier here, Henry Ruggs, um, to the Falcons at uh, thirty-three to one. So um, definitely some value. Lay a couple peanuts on that, uh, man. That would be some fun football, man. The Panthers Falcons games in DFS next year with if Ruggs lands on the Falcons, like those totals are going to be like sixty-five. Um, and yeah. Like you just want to absolute game stack those things. Like that would be. The defenses are terrible, and the offenses are going to be just a ton of fun. So
2: it's going to be like Big 12 football.
0: Yeah, just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, we'll probably buzz through tight ends here real quick. Um, no one expects any to go in the first round. You know, plus 550 to get a tight end in the first round, it's just kind of a, um, you know, a lost position a little bit. There is some value I think that could be had later in the draft. Looking at Cole Komet is the um, chalk to come off the board first of the position, minus 200. Um, you get some really white guy names, Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, Bryson Hopkins. Um, they all sound like the same dude. Um, and Adam Shotman's in there too. Um, talk to me about the tight end position. Uh, we can't really bet on it, but, uh, who do you think has some value at some point this year in fantasy?
2: Yeah. Speaking of white guy names, we just need a guy named Peter in there somewhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh you know, I and we talked about this on the last uh, ETR podcast, but um just betting all the long shots to be the first tight end drafted, I think that it's totally up in the air and Cole Komet is being regard regarded as the the almost lock to be the first tight end selected, and I think it's way more up in the air than that. Um Gil Brandt, and again, you know, these guys aren't perfect, you know, from the sort of mainstream media, but they're they're the closest that we can get to like an actual NFL GM's rankings. I mean, they they are very much influenced by by actual decision makers. So that's why I think it's so critical to look at guys who are like outliers in Gil Brandt's rankings. Like, you know, he had um, Lynn Bowden from Kentucky as his number four overall, number forty four overall player.
0: Jeez.
2: And you know, that's that was really really interesting. I also found it interesting that the tight end from Mizzou. Albert O. Albert, Albert O. <laughs> yeah, Albert O. was number thirty-nine, and the number one tight end in Gilbrant's top one hundred and fifty. So betting Albert O. I mean, dude, bet, Ben and Albert O. scored twenty-three touchdowns in his career. He ran four-four-nine at a huge size. I think six-six-two fifty-eight at the combine. I mean, it's not crazy at all for a guy like that to be. You know, I mean, he might be Eric Ebron, but that might be the best tight end in this class because it's not very good. Um, Also, uh, Peter Schrager, uh, who has a a good history of mock draft accuracy among like the mainstream media types, he had Harrison Bryant as a first round pick in one of his mock drafts. And um, I just, you know, and these guys are like, you know, 20 to 1 and 25 to 1 and 30 to 1 to be the first tight end drafted like bet multiple of you know bet albert o bet sure. harrison bryant you know i i think those are the two guys that that stand out maybe troutman too um you know don't bet Cole commit bet bet the longer shots
0: yeah connor you have an uh, albert o ticket right
1: yeah i'm holding a, an albert o ticket as well as a thaddeus moss ticket um so i don't know i i, I agree with what you guys are saying though embrace the variance like Cole Komet's just you know, some rando, he shouldn't be minus 200 to be uh, the first tight end off the board. Like, any of these guys yeah. could easily sneak up there in, you know, the mid-second, late-second round and hop him, and then you're cashing tickets here. So, definitely Dude, take some flyers and, you know, shoot, spread it out.
2: Imagine betting Cole Komet at minus 200 and then getting <laughs> it right. Like, you should feel bad. You shouldn't even take the money back.
1: Return it. Honestly, return you, it. You, you like,
2: should return it. Like, yeah, you are not good at this,
1: you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, It's a really deep offensive line. Uh, We kind of leave the sexy fantasy positions, but O-line really deep. I'm expecting a ton in the first round. Six and a half is the number, Uh, minus 134 for the over. Uh, Under would be plus 110. Um, Evan has eight in his most recent mock draft. Um, Just an absolute loaded position. I expect a good handful of them to go pretty early. The market to be the first off the board kind of seems to emerge over the last few days um with for def- different reasons but it looks like um wills minus 120 is pretty clear bet to be the top one off the board evan has him mocked to the giants uh, talk to me a little bit about that and why you think he's the uh the play there
2: yeah i you know for a long time i thought it was going to be tristan worse and now i think it's jedrick wills and i think he should be the favorite he is the favorite now right to go number yeah. four overall or to yeah. be the first tackle taken yeah um yeah I mean, I think the market is
0: on, on this one.
2: Um, I mean, I don't. What's Tristan Wirfs at this point? What 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 are his odds? Uh,
0: eight and a half is his over under.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, jeez. You know, I think that's a good line. Um, what are what are the other over under? What's what's Andrew Thomas?
0: Thomas is ten and a half. Becton nine and a half. Um, he could be mm. an interesting slide here after. You know the latest uh, failed drug test stuff. So
2: yeah, I feel like that's the best bet. Becton, first of all, he's he's not the cleanest prospect. Um, I think he's got you know so a lot of work to do in pass protection, and um, I mean he's just kind of on the raw side. So I think he had some questions about his game. Now you combine that with the um, the flagged drug test. And, I mean, I don't think he's a bad kid, you know, at all. He has no history of any drug tests in college. It was, you know, who, who knows what happened, but it got flagged. He didn't even necessarily test positive or anything like that. It just got flagged. And it might not affect him at all, but I still think, you know, if he goes to the 10 to, 10 to the Browns, you win. If he goes 11 to the Jets, you win. If he goes 14 to the Bucks, you win. And I, that, that's where I put him in my latest mock is number 14 to the Bucks. So I, I really like actually Makai Becton right now over nine, nine and
0: a half. Okay, nice. Yeah, I mean, we don't even know what it is. Like, the dry, like is he smoking weed? or did he, you know, was he low dosing LSD? Like, we have no idea what he's doing. Like, who <laughs> knows? You, know, you benefit from that stuff. I think the Wills thing is interesting. He's minus 120 to be first offensive lineman off the board. But I think the best way to bet that is you can get plus a plus 120 on him just going straight to the Giants um at four so you know basically where he's being mocked what makes the most sense if teams kind of stay home if particularly if the Giants stay home they're probably gonna land on an offensive lineman. and it looks like Wills kind of makes the most sense there um any tickets for you here as far as offensive linemen go Connor uh
1: yeah I have an embarrassing amount of money on offensive line props um <laughs> so yeah I have I was betting Wills at, like, plus 175 a few days ago to the Giants, and I bet that all the way up to – it was, like, 140 is what I kept putting tickets in at uh, different points in different spots. At this point, I would still consider taking him at plus 120 uh, at number four to the Giants. Um, And then I grabbed Becton at 8.5 yesterday, like – like eight minutes after you know Rapport tweeted that out I don't give a shit whether he failed a drug test but my opinion doesn't matter so um you know like it's it's what the GMs think and like these you know like fossils who are running things like care a lot more about those kinds of uh you know even that's getting true. flagged on a drug test um a lot more than we do so I think that you know really his his eight and a half really only left him to go to like the Cardinals and I don't I mean that's I think that there are a lot cleaner prospects like you know Evan was saying with uh, Thomas or Werfs that make a lot of more sense there if they do go that route, um, and then Thomas I uh, grabbed at twelve and a half before the hype. You know, there's some hype that he was going to go number four overall. Some GMs have him, you know, as the number one over overall prospect, but right now it seems like he's being mocked at to number ten uh, to the Browns and pretty much like every mock. I don't know, it seems pretty common. So I think that that's that's where I have him, and the ten and a half seems about right I I agree with Evan though right now on the board I would be I would take Becton over nine and a half uh Werfs I'm not touching that's the one O-lineman in the you know the top four that I don't have any money on and I'm okay with that I think I think he could go to the Jets actually no that's a lie I I took him to the Jets at seven to one um so I don't know I mean if he falls kind of past that first part I think that the Jets could definitely go the offensive lineman route and would make a lot of sense there and if you're able to get him at seven to one uh which you are able to on DraftKings right now i think it's a, a good fit
0: and browns are minus 400 to take an offensive lineman with their first pick so wow it seems like a, a pretty strong indicator one that i love um even a week ago you can get plus money like plus 167 on caesar ruiz to land in the first round that's all the way down now at minus 200 it just seems like i mean i know center is not like a sexy first round position a lot but that just seems like a Ten-year starter in the league, like that guy, just seems rock solid and pretty safe to be, you know, a late first-round pick. All right, we'll move on to uh, defensive players here. I know you got a lot of action here too, Connor. Um, and again, decent draft. I mean, really good corners as well. Um, I've seen varying mocks. Evan, your first mock had six uh, first-round cornerbacks. Your latest mock has just four. Kind of right on the number. Um, round one corners. The numbers. Even juice, basically, the number is four and a half, um, and you know looks like pretty, pretty much everywhere you go. You get Jeffrey Akuda, uh, the, the top corner there, um, pretty loaded position. I know you had pretty high on some guys like Jalen Johnson before I saw them going first round with anyone else. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think about Akuda? Do you think that that's a good number? Is he the clear top prospect at a position? And uh, what do you think about that number four and a half for corners in the first?
2: I don't know. I, I I don't have a great feel for this year. I, I think it's a weak cornerback class in general. Okay. I think that um, I don't know. A lot of the players are flawed. Uh, it's just I just think it's not a great year for for cornerbacks, and I I, I really don't have a great feel for. You know, as you could tell, my fir- as you mentioned, my first mock had a lot of corners, and my last one didn't have very many. Um, so. Uh, and, you know, there are some guys that, like, I thought about putting in the first round. I just – I didn't know. Jeff Gladney, Christian Fulton. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of staying away from cornerback from, uh, bets.
0: Yeah, there's a few guys when you look at just their odds that tell you that they're going to be first-round picks. I mean, um, a guy that's moved the laws, A.J. Terrell, seems like pretty much a lock. He's now minus 500 to be in the first round. Christian um, Fulton as well, minus 715. But then you get to the guys that are on the bubble – you know, you get uh, Jalen Johnson, the minus one seventy seven still. So that's indicating that that's more than likely than not. Uh, Trayvon Davis.
2: wait wait, Christian Fulton is what to be a minus,
0: minus seven fifteen.
2: What? How, yes. I mean, can we can we fade that? Like,
0: I know that's the worst part about some of these is you can't take uh, the other side. Because even like uh, a guy man. like you know, you I saw your latest one with the linebackers. We'll get there too with Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen. They're both minus two thousand to be first round oh my picks. God. I mean, the other side of that would be pretty interesting. You know, you'd be looking at 15 it, to one. I least. thought there was,
2: th- there's some interesting bets on Bovada that you can bet on just whether the, uh, the identity of the first round pick of, of a certain team plays offense or defense. Mm-hmm. So like the chargers are minus 300 to take an offensive player in the first round. And you know, they're plus 300 to take a defensive player. And if they take Isaiah Simmons, like, and you bet 20 bucks, like you're, you know, you're, you're turning that into 80. So, I mean, I, I really, I like hit like every single one just at whatever the plus odds were, because we don't know what's going to happen. And the odds are set as if like, you know, there is a strong favorite for these teams. Like the Cowboys were um, like plus 300 to take a, a defense or uh, minus 300, to take a defensive player and plus 275 to take an offensive play, like, they could easily take the center out of Michigan, Cesar Ruiz, and, you know, to replace Travis Frederick. I I just hit that immediately at, you know, I like, I I don't even care, you know, if if I lose. Like, that's – That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that that has so much upside that it's like you'd be dumb to not bet it.
0: Yeah, no, there's a lot of those. I think that kind of is the core of of what we talked about at the top, just leaning into the variance. Like, we just – we don't know, and there's so many variables – we know that everyone likes to trade, and especially now that we have like the way they separated with day one, day two, day three. Like teams like to get that; they like to end the day with something too. Like having people trade into the end of the first round, I think is we've seen it become even more frequently. And again, that's anecdotal. I don't have any evidence of that, but it just feels like you know, I want to make sure I get that guy. I don't want teams to be able to make trades in this gap between day two starting. Like I want to go up and get my guy today. Um, so I feel like that there's there's just a lot of that. Take the Take the plus numbers when you can get them. Uh, what are some of the, the tickets you're holding as far as defensive player props here, Connor?
1: Uh it's tough because I I mean a lot of uh, Okuda you know depends on kind of like what we were saying with uh, a trade or not because if there is there is a trade and a team trades up to three you know he'll go away he'll go over four and a half easy but if there's no trade then you know the sharp play is probably the under because I think that he goes to number three to the Lions. Uh, I mean, there's been some smoke about it, you know, like some people are saying that potentially they go with, you know, Derek Brown. Um, and apparently, you know, the NFL is pretty high on him. And I guess it wouldn't be that much of a surprise, but I think the better fit and better player would be Okuda. Um, so I, I have a ticket on the over just because kind of like I said, I do think that the trade happens for number three, uh, probably early on draft day. We talked Bob Quinn talked about how he's open to moving it. Um, he's not going to move it on the clock um but he would consider moving it you know like or at least having something in place early in the afternoon on Thursday so you know I might be able to hedge out of it if I'm not feeling good about it going into it um and the next few days we'll learn a lot more information but uh, as far as other defensive players CJ Henderson I grabbed at 16 and a half on the under um it's all the way up to like 13 and a half or 12 and a half I'm probably not touching that at that point like that's I think that's the range of where he'll probably go you know is that like 12 to 12 to 15, 12 to 16 range. Um, but then again, I mean, he could easily go top 10 uh, to a team. Yeah, we like, talked about that. Like, yeah.
0: Like I love that number. You can get him at top 10 at plus 700 a few days ago because I thought there was, you know, I thought that Jacksonville made a lot of sense. That now is what is it? He's plus 125 to go in the top 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's not really worth it in my opinion, just because I feel like that's already kind of like. He's sure. already – all the hype is baked into the number at this point. Um, and then Simmons is really tough, and Elliot brought up a good point today um, on Twitter and, you know, talking about it. Like, if the Giants don't pick him at number four, which I don't think any of us think that they do at this point, you know, like, where is he going to go inside the top six? Um, I mean, the only wild card I could see potentially would be, like, a team like the Chargers if they stand pat and, you know, don't want a quarterback and then potentially snag him there. Um, but yeah, I think that the over there is probably a good play at this point, just kind of the way she, things are shaping up. Evan, do you have a take on that or
2: with Isaiah Simmons?
1: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I pounded the the over. Uh, Max, <laughs> Max, Max bet that. I mean, at six and a half. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, yeah, that yeah you yeah you pound that over. I mean, I think he could go in the teens. I, I think he could go in the teens. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it to seven um, with your latest mock to, to Carolina. It sounds like probably the high end there, too. So. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and,
2: and that is the high end.
0: And you're still and, covering the over.
2: Um, I think there's a chance that Okuda could fall to seven, and then Isaiah Simmons really could fall. If, no, if, true, if, 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 if Okuda makes it to number seven, if, say, the Lions trade back and they take Derek Brown, which, by the way, their best defensive tackle if the season were to start today, is Danny Shelton. I mean, their defensive tackle group is maybe the worst in the league right now. They let go of Mike <laughs> Daniels in free agency. They let go of A'shaun Robinson to the Rams. Um, they, If they trade back and they take Derrick Brown at six, then Okuda falls to the Panthers. I think the Panthers have to take Okuda at seven. And then Isaiah Simmons, I mean, we're, we're talking about free a slide fall. there.
1: there. Yep.
0: Yeah, you get into those teams that need you know, tackles and receivers. And Quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, any other uh, bets do you have on your card, Connor, that you want to talk to us about?
1: No, not, not too much as far as defensive players go. I mean, there's a lot of kind of like what you guys are saying. I took a lot of like no props in terms of like um, from offshores. Um, but in terms of like actionable betting advice, I think my favorite bets, you know, left on the board right now would be that swift prop over twenty six and a half under, you know, half half a running back in round one. And then um, you could grab some T Higgins action not to be a first-round pick. Uh, and I like that as well, just kind of based on the depth of this class, how poorly he tested, and then what we're hearing from uh, some scouts basically saying that he's not, you know, even in their, on their boards at all in the first round. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a good bet as well. And, you know, if you can put some action down on Jedrick Wills to be a New York Giant, I think that's another sharp play.
0: Nice. Love it. All right, Evan, you're the man. Uh, everyone go over to Establish the Run. Uh, check out all Evan's content over there. Um, subscribe to that pod. Um, it's free pods from uh, Adam and and Evan is uh, basically as good as you can get in this game. So um, definitely want to uh, wish you guys continued success in your second year over there. Outstanding product. Um, yeah, just awesome you guys bet on yourselves and you're killing it. So good things happen to good people. Thanks for joining us, brother.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. And hopefully we get a chance to hang out, you know, Connor and, um, and and Noonan and and I all live like within, you know, pretty close distance. And we've had the opportunity to hang out a couple times and hopefully we, we wanted to go to the horse races. Like, I want to go so bad. I want to bring my daughter, you know, I think she'll love it. And I mean, we, I think we would just have like an unbelievable blast. Obviously, you know, there are things that are more important right now, but hopefully, uh, before the end of the year, we could get out to uh, some some races at uh at Arlington uh, Arlington Heights uh, racetrack.
0: Yeah, yeah, you uh, came by for the Super Bowl and um, and then basically appeared on every podcast out there after and applauded my wife's cooking on all the shows. you are forever you are forever a hero in this house so uh we'll definitely be doing it again soon when this all blows over so um awesome everyone don't forget to subscribe check us out we'll be coming back with some uh post draft reaction stuff coming up and uh yeah thanks for joining us we'll see you again soon